down the Christian life into like, what are the 10 basic things that we should be doing as followers of Jesus? What, what 10 things exemplify those who are following down the Jesus path? And so this week we're talking about, and I'm going to argue that a follower of Jesus is devoted to love. I mean, you, you don't have to read very far in the Bible to see that love is central to this book. Just do like a search on Bible Gateway and like love pops up like a hundred plus times in the Bible. So it's central to the Christian life. And the reason that it's central to the Christian life is because it's central to who God is. Anytime you see God is blank in the Bible, it's going to be really, really important, right? So it says God is love. So everything that we know about love is going to be informed by and come from God. The Bible calls love the greatest virtue. It says you can do really great works, and if you don't have love, they're meaningless. The Bible says that there are two commandments, or Jesus said that there are two commandments that sum up the entire Bible. Love God with all your heart, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says you're doing those two things, you are fulfilling the entire thrust of the Bible. So love is a big, big deal in the Christian life. If you get love right, you get everything right. And if you get love wrong, you miss it entirely. And so I love how this series is called Devoted because I believe that that is like the perfect uh, word to describe the kind of love that John is calling us to today. It is a devoted, committed love. I think the problem in the world today is kind of we, when you go out to the world, we, we, we like the idea of love. Like we, we, we think love is a, is a nice idea. It's, it's vague. It's safe. It's based on my emotions at the moment so I can change it whenever my emotions change, right? It's based on fleeting feelings. But I think the problem with that sort of love is that it's weak. It's a weak, puppy, teenage romance type love that people exemplify and try to glorify in the world. And the problem is it often collapses at the first sign of disagreement or the first sign of trouble or the first, uh, first time of storms or something like that. It's, it's very, very weak. But I think the love that's described in this book is almost the exact opposite. Love of God that's described in this book is strong. It's fierce. It weathers storms. It would rather tell you a hard truth than let you live a destructive lie. This is kind of the the, the love that we're going to be talking about today. God's love is strong. And so I want to answer three questions. Why is love important? Two, what is the aim of love and how do you walk it out in this life? And then three, what is the amazing thing that happens in the world when we are walking in love? I'll just give you a little warning. Today's sermon is is very 
brief, because we've got a lot of awesome things that we're doing today. But because it's brief, it's mean I packed in as much truth as I can get in here. And so I hope you guys listen closely, because we're going to run through it. So we're going to start in verse 7 and verse 8 of 1 John chapter 4, and we're just going to take it verse by verse. So he starts out, he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God, and he knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. And the amazing truth that John is telling us today is that love is the clearest sign that you believe the gospel. Love is the clearest sign that you believe the gospel. Love is so central to who God is that those who claim to follow him, those who claim to follow Jesus on this path of discipleship must demonstrate love. I was trying to think of a good, you know, analogy, whatever, for, for, for this. And I think everyone's gone to visit ho- uh, friends in the hospital, right, when they've just had a baby. And you see the baby, and usually the baby resembles his parents, right? You know, you look at his hair, his, his eyes, face, nose, whatever. He's going to resemble his parents, And so the Bible uses that as an analogy, and it says that we are born again. When we believe the gospel, we are born again into new life. And so naturally, we are going to begin to take on the characteristics of our Heavenly Father. So God is love. God radiates love. Like in the Greek, when it says love comes from God, it's got this idea of like flow, it's coming out of him, so God radiates love, and therefore those who claim to follow him will also radiate love. So before we believed the gospel, we resembled the world and, and kind of its type of love, which is really based in like selfishness and, and just trying to please myself. But then as we start to follow Jesus on this new path, God puts in us a new type of love, like a a, a fierce, sin-covering type of love. And he puts that into our hearts. So positively, John is saying that those who demonstrate love are living within the gospel. That's what he means when he says, whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And negatively, um, John is saying that if we do not demonstrate love, Um, then we've really kind of strayed far from the purpose of the gospel because the gospel is presented to us in a way that that God loves us and so he sent his son into the world. So if we are not demonstrating love, then we are missing the gospel entirely. So the first point, love is the clearest sign that you believe the gospel more than a whole bunch of facts about the Bible, more than maybe just praying a whole bunch, whatever. But the Bible says that love is the, the test of genuine discipleship. Like if you are an authentic follower of Jesus, you will demonstrate and display love. Let's keep going in verse 9. It says, In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation. There's that word again. It basically just means the sacrifice. Christ took our place on the cross 
in the wrath of God. So Christ is taking our place for our sins. So that's what that word means. And the second point is this. Love is committed to the ultimate good of others, even when things get messy. This is huge. This is a huge component of love. This is what separates authentic, God-like love from worldly love. The cross makes love more than a, a nice idea because God demonstrated his love for us through actions. Like John was saying earlier, you know, love is not just word, but it comes through deed and in truth. And, you know, I was trying to think of the perfect illustration to prove, you know, to try to show you this, like, fierce, devoted, committed type love that, 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 that John is talking about. I mean, preachers are always trying to find the perfect illustration for their sermon point. And I'm like, man, what, what picture can I give to these people to, to show them the kind of love that John's talking about? And then I was like, oh, yeah, the, the cross. That's, that's, that's the kind of love that the Bible gives to us to, to, to demonstrate what true love is. Jesus on the cross is the demonstration of perfect love. I mean, John even goes so far as to say that if Jesus had not died on the cross, that, that, that we would have no image, we would have no picture to see what true godlike love is. Like in Jesus on the cross, we are able to recognize love. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he sent his only son uh, to, to die for our sins, right? So you see the connection. God loved the world, therefore he sent his son. And so everything that Jesus did was based on that purpose of coming, which is God's love for us. His amazing, condescending type love for the humans who had rejected him. And that's really the, the sum of the gospel, right? God had created the world good and he created it uh, to, to operate in a certain way. But we humans decided to go a new way. Like we, we decided to take a new path. And this new path called sin really led us into a lot of destructive things. Right? And so we, we, we thought it was going to be a better path, but we went down this way and it, it brought us pain and it brought us death and it ultimately separated us from God. And the gospel says that because God loved us, he sent Jesus into the world to be the sacrifice for our sins. So everything Jesus did from his words, from his actions, from his dying on the cross is a demonstration of God's love for you. So if you want to know how love speaks, read the words of Jesus. If you want to know how love acts, see what Jesus did. And really, I was thinking, you know, like if, if all the Bible can be summed up in just like two commands, then, then why is it so long? <laughs> I think one of the reasons is that we need to see love demonstrated out. We don't just, you know, if someone just says, just love people, you know, that's, it's hard for us to do. We need to see it demonstrated. I think in the Bible, we see either people in the Bible who are demonstrating uh, God-like love, or we see people who are not demonstrating God-like love. So the Bible shows us the ways in which we're supposed to love one another. And I, 
I was trying to think of ways to try to compare this or contrast this like worldly type love versus the, this God-like love. And I think that Jesus is a good example of that. Um, Jesus' fierce love like weathered the storms of living day in and day out with people. Like he walked with his disciples just day in and day out. And he continued to love them and to care for them. Jesus' fierce God-like love weathered the storms of the betrayal of his friends. Like people straight up sinned against him and abandoned him on the cross. And what does he do? He comes back and he restores them when he was raised to life. Like this is the fierce, God-like love, devoted, committed love that God is calling us to as a church. Jesus' love was more than a nice idea because Jesus was committed to the ultimate good of others, even when things got messy. And things did get messy for Jesus, right? So as you go about your life, the test of whether you are displaying God-like love is this. Are you committed to this person's ultimate good? And that's the difference between godlike love and worldly love. Worldly love will, will look at a person and they don't want to offend that person or they want to allow that person to have pleasure in the moment. But godlike love will tell you a hard truth rather than see you live a destructive lie. And so we want the ultimate good for people, not just what's good for you right now in this moment. And we believe that the ultimate good for you is found on the Jesus path. And so that's why we're always trying to tell people, you know, like, come and, come and try this Jesus thing. Come and follow Jesus on his path because his path leads to life forever. It's not just going to make you happy now. It's going to make you happy 10,000 years from now. And nothing else in the world can promise that. So that's why we point people to Jesus even when we have to tell them hard truths and we have to confront people with sin and and all that kind of stuff. I know in my life, whenever, um, you know, I've got people I'm walking with, people like uh, John and, and my brother-in-law, Matt, you know, and we ask each other questions, and sometimes they are hard questions about our life, and sometimes they confront me with things that I'm doing that are wrong, and it's hard, but I know that they love me because they want my ultimate good. And so I hope that you demonstrate that kind of love. So very quickly, I want to give two more practical applications. We don't have too much time today, but, but I want to show you just two practical applications right now for what it looks like to be loving the kind of love that we're supposed to be. And the first one is this, commit to walking with us. Commit to walking with us. I don't know about you, but it's very difficult to love people from a distance, right? Love has a way of drawing people near to each other. And so here at White Oak, we're, you know, we talk about covenant membership. It's this idea of like, I am seeking your good and you are seeking my good. We are committed to walking in life together. So my encouragement for, for you today, if you've just been kind of, maybe you're new here, maybe you're kind of like on the edges or on the peripheral, I encourage you to, to dive in with us. And to walk with us. Hey, I know it's hard to commit. I'm in my 20s, right? 
It's hard to commit to things. But you do not get to experience the joy and the peace that comes with community if you do not commit to community. It's a prerequisite. You have to commit to a body of people in order to experience the joy and the peace that comes with walking with those who are following Jesus. So I encourage you to commit to joining us every Sunday. I encourage you to start walking with us in small groups and just live in life with us. Just, just stop hanging around on the edges. Come and, and join us. We, we want to walk with you. We want to help you, and we want you to help us. So that's the first thing, is to commit to walking with us. And the second application is this. Embrace our growing family. Embrace our growing family. We've been blessed recently to have a lot of newer faces. Even as I look around today, I see some newer faces. And uh, actually, the, the, the other day, I was like uh, coming in here. It was a couple Sundays ago, and I was like looking around. And I was like, I don't know half these people in here. And, and that's, a, that's a good thing, right? It means that God is drawing people into this community. It means he's doing a new work. It means more grace is being extended to more people. So that's not a threat to us who have been here a long time. We, we want new people here. We want more people walking with us, living life with us. We want that. And so my encouragement for you, if you've been here for like a long time, like me, is to, to embrace newer people who come through these doors. Right? Invite them to your get-togethers, invite them to werewolves, invite them to your parties, invite them to, to whatever it is you're doing, your Sunday school class, invite them to, to walk with you. That's the thrust of the gospel is that God loved the world, not just a, a few. So embrace our growing family. And let me tell you what happens when you do that. This is the, the kicker, the, the, the thing I've been thinking about all week, the thing that's at stake When we commit to each other and embrace our growing family, we find out that love makes the invisible God visible to a skeptical world. Closing out these verses, John says in verse 11 and 12, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. In the same way, Jesus said, by this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Love makes the invisible God visible to a skeptical world. Like Jesus intended for us, Jesus intended for us to be a community so that people outside the church would look in and be like, oh, that's how God's love is. You see, Jesus is not with us here in the flesh, right? He, he ascended to heaven and we're waiting for him to come back. In the meantime, how are people supposed to experience the, the power and the life of God? It is through the love of the church. So if we are failing in this, we are failing in our mission. Most people don't start on the Jesus path because someone dropped a whole bunch of Bible knowledge on them. It just doesn't usually start that way. Most people do not start on the Jesus path because someone proved that the Great Flood actually happened through archaeological evidence. Most people come to Jesus because they experienced firsthand a loving community of people who proclaim Jesus. That's all I want for us. I think the best Yelp review that White Oak could ever get 
is someone who leaves a review that says, this church is devoted to Jesus and devoted to loving other people. If we get those two things right, we're going to get everything right. So as we close, I just wanted to spend just a moment just kind of like encouraging you guys because honestly, this is kind of an easy message for me to preach because you guys are already doing these things. And so I, like Paul, can just tell you to just do them more and more. And uh, I was trying to write down some stuff that, uh, things that I had seen. Oh man, what time is it? Okay, just some things that I had seen that, 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 that you guys are doing. I mean, Ann Thompson, great encouragement to me. Every time she comes, every time I see her, she comes up to me, gives me a kiss on the cheek, rubs me on the shoulder and says, I love you. It's a huge encouragement. Dennis and Debbie Shulin, is there anything that you guys do not volunteer for? Uh, the Wades, you're always bringing food into the, for the coffee area. I mean, we, you never think about, like, the, people need to bring food in order for us to eat, right? All the people in the kids' area, Kathy, Beverly, Katie, Emily, Ruby, Renee, Hannah, Taylor, Anna, Ryan, the Bransons, uh, Pat, Anna, Marissa, Marilyn. I mean, uh, there may be others. I have no idea. But there are so many people every week who, who go and, and love on our kids and, and love on the kids here so that we can hear the love of God proclaimed to us. Oh, man, just a few more. Susan Wethington, you give me at least three know that you help a lot of other people by opening your home all the time. Uh, the four names, you, you wrote this note at an Emily. They hung up on the wall, and it, or on, on the read it, and it was encouraging. Uh, I don't know if you're doing it, but will like drop everything in order to come and help you with car issues, like flat tire, whatever. Javier's going to do that. I mean, the Farrells, Joel, Shirley, Tim, always open up their home for life groups and being devoted to this for like years and years and years. I think this morning, like Daniel Branson opened up the sound system. Thank you. We've got a mic today. Got... Yes, thank you. Speaking of Daniel Branson, they, they pray like no one's business. They go to like the, the Montrose Street Reach, which is something I don't even do. Like I, I should be doing that, and they're doing that. They sponsor kids to go to camp. They have unwavering dedication in supporting missions. Betty Light been been keeping the Sunday morning records for years. Rick Gerlach picks up and drops off kids for church. Yesterday I came up here to kind of work on the sermon, and they had all these people putting up this thing for the, the, the ladies' retreat. Gosh, I got two pages more of this, but... Uh, the point is that you guys are already doing a lot of this. And so I encourage you to do it more and more. And uh, I, the last thing I'll say is that I am devoted to you guys. Like I'm here, I'm devoted to your good, I'm praying for you guys. And my encouragement for you today is just be devoted to me. Be devoted to this place and to this body of people. Commit yourself to us. And together, we can continue down the Jesus path until we're reigning in heaven forever and ever and ever. Um, so I love you guys, and uh, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I 
thank you that your love is more than just a nice idea. I thank you that your love manifested itself in action. That you do not just love in word, but you love in deed. Lord, we thank you for Jesus Christ, whom you have sent into the world and who suffered a horrific death. And I think about with every time that they whipped him and with the crown of thorns that was put on his head and with the suffering, excruciating suffering that he suffered on the cross, Jesus was saying, I love you. So Father, I pray that we would demonstrate that fierce, committed, sin-defying, storm-weathering type of love. And may that love be put in our hearts by you and by your Holy Spirit. Father, I love this church so much. I pray for their ultimate good. I pray that they would find their joy and satisfaction in Jesus alone. I pray for those on the peripheral, those who are kind of on the outskirts, just dying for community. I pray that they would jump in and walk with us. And I pray that we who have been here for longer would embrace newer faces. May these people go forth in joy, heal them of their infirmities, give them life and peace and, and, and take away their anxiety and give them comfort in the gospel. It's in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen.